Well, good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Terry Yearwood, and I'm one of the pastors serving in our family and community outreach ministries. I hope you have enjoyed these last several weeks of reading through the book of Genesis and now into the book of Deuteronomy. I also hope you've enjoyed your prayer times as well. If you're behind, don't quit or get frustrated. Stay with it and do what you can. Remember, it's not about checking the box, but it's about our time with God and His Word and prayer. Today we will be looking at the first part of the Lord's Prayer. No doubt the most known and memorized prayer in history. Well, maybe other than, oh Lord, help me please. Just kidding. Uh, but I think I've prayed that prayer a lot lately, huh? Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, I want you to think about this question. The question is, how many of you remember the first prayer you ever prayed? Think about that. The first prayer that you ever prayed to God. Well, for me, it was the Lord's Prayer. I didn't grow up in the church. Mom did it the best she could, but I didn't give her much to work with. I was rebellious, angry. I liked to party, and this was all before I was an official teenager. What kept me out of serious trouble was sports. And it was while playing football that I learned about the Lord's Prayer. It seemed like every team I played on from junior high up always said the Lord's Prayer before a game. Can't help to look back and wonder, Lord, did you plan it this way? <laughs> this was the first prayer I ever prayed. Now at the time, it didn't mean much to me. It was more like a ritual or a good luck charm. However, when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ at the age of 22, and I started growing in my faith, the Lord's Prayer took on a whole new meaning. And it was no longer a ritual or a good luck charm, but it was a starting point to how I learned what prayer was and how to pray. As I've prayed more through the years, I've come to learn that this prayer sets the context and foundation for all prayers. So let me set the scene before we get into the prayer. Jesus has become really popular. He was drawing huge crowds of people. People were wanting to hear what he had to say. They were wanting to see all the miracles that were happening. And basically they were checking out what all the hoopla was about. So he sees these crowds gathered around and he grabs the disciples and he takes them up on, onto the mountain to teach them. And this is what is known as a Sermon on the Mount. And he gets to the part about prayer, and he begins by saying how not to pray first before he goes into the motto of prayer. And what he says about how not to pray is he begins with the hypocrites. And he says, don't pray like the hypocrites pray. They do it to be seen by everybody. They go into the synagogues, they do it for show. Don't do it for show. It was almost like they, had, they were all show and no go. And then he says, don't pray like the Gentiles either, who babble on repeating the same words over and over. And they just keep saying over and over the same words. And Jesus is saying, don't pray like them. However, pray like this. And look at Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. And he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And let us not and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now for me, I learned this from the King James Version of the Bible, which adds its closing phrase. And so if it sounds like it's kind of not complete, you probably learned it in King James like me. And that last statement is, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And basically, it just sums up the prayer that was already prayed. So there it is. The Lord's Prayer, 51 words. It's a short prayer, but also profound. You see, Jesus is inviting us to join God in all that he's doing in the world. And at the same time, assuring us that he is in heaven preparing to make all things perfect. All the books written, all the sermons preached, all the hymns that have been sang about the Lord's Prayer, and we still haven't exhausted the depths of this prayer. It's so powerful. It's so profound. Now today my goal is to show us how to use it as a model, as a pattern for prayer. I'm not going to take the time to go into depth on explaining out the first part of the Lord's Prayer. But hopefully what you'll take away today is you will see the greatness of this prayer as we go through it as, a, uh, as an act of prayer. So let's jump right into the prayer. And let's cover the first half today and then next week Todd will cover the second half. So let's look at our Father in heaven. First word there is our. This would include everyone who's been rescued from their sins by trusting in Jesus Christ as a Savior. We're now part of the family of God. He is not just my personal father, but he is our father. See, when I was on the football teams praying this prayer, I was not part of the family of God. So it didn't really carry any meaning to me personally. And I didn't see the connection and importance of being in God's family. But when I began following Jesus, I was given a seat at the family table. Oh, how the meaning of the word our changed for me. The next phrase is Father in heaven. That word Father in Aramaic means Abba, our dad, our daddy as we've heard it. Another translation I read recently that I really like is Dearest Father. Jesus begins the prayer by saying, Our Father. Well, this was scandalous to the Jewish hearers. The word Father was used 14 times in the Old Testament. And it was referring to God as the corporate Father of Israel. You see, up until this time in history, the word Father was never used individually or personally when referring to God Almighty. And yet Jesus tells them to begin by calling God Father. Immediately, Jesus is setting the tone for something incredibly special. He's setting the tone for this special relationship of a child to father. In fact, Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption by who we cry, Abba, Father. What a beautiful demonstration of his love for us. 
His desire to have us as His own children. This work of adopting us and making us His children stresses that He's involved in our lives and we have full access to Him directly because of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. Do we approach God like this in our prayers? Stop for a minute and think about that. Do we approach God as our Abba Father? Jesus has made the way. Are we confident? The Bible even says we can come boldly to the throne of God. Is that our relationship with the Father when we pray? Do we see the Father as a loving Heavenly Father who has adopted us, who cares for us, who protects us, who provides for us? If we don't, then Jesus is encouraging us. No, no. He is our Father. He is our Abba Father. Approach Him as His child. Then the second part says, in heaven. This communicates God's authority. He is in heaven ruling and controlling the world. This is a picture of his kingship. So Jesus puts these two characteristics together to be seen as father king. This is really important to understand because it helps us keep in mind as we pray this idea of earth and heaven, that even though we are here on earth, God is very much in control of all that is going on. Paul Tripp describes it this way, the already and the not yet. The already is the time on earth before Jesus Christ returns. And the not yet is God's kingdom that is coming. Now in essence, what Jesus is saying in this prayer is, while we are here upon this earth, while he's looking at disciples and while he is speaking to our generation 2,000 years later, while we are here upon this earth, God is at work both in heaven and in us to carry out his ultimate plan and his purposes. Well, that's the introduction to this prayer. Pretty powerful, huh? Well, now let us move to the request that's being made in the prayer. And let's watch how this prayer plays out in the way in which we pray. By the way, as we go through this prayer, it is for us individually and also for us corporately as part of the body of Christ. Now look at the petitions that we're going to look at, the three of them. The first one's, hallowed or holy be your name. So when we pray, holy be your name, O God, what we are asking for God to do is to help us to truly worship Him publicly and privately. You see, when we do that, we express with all of our lives that God is worth everything to us. And by doing this, we point to the holiness of His name. It is more than words and praise songs. It is how the world sees our genuine praise to the God that we say we honor and we love. We also pray as we hallow His name that He would help our beliefs and our words about God be true and worthy of Him. When our faith in Jesus speaks words of love and hope and grace, salvation and mercy, then we make His name holy. Nothing is more confusing to people than when we personally or we as a church say we love God, but our lives show differently. This is our witness of the gospel to the world, by the way. 
They are watching as much as they're listening to what we say. In fact, they're probably watching us way more than they're listening to what we say these days because they're getting information overload day in and day out. And so don't be surprised if every uh, action that you do is being looked at by someone. And if you have kids, you know how that goes in the house, right? Seems like the kids catch everything we don't say along with everything we do say. But we continue to pray, help us live a life that displays God as our Father. When we are so smitten by the very thought that the God of the universe could love us and have us as one of his adopted kids, what better picture could we give to the world of a loving Father? This is so crucial in our day as the ideal of the Father is so distorted. And as a church, we display this most when we are in unity and we're not divided. We show forth the fatherhood of God when we show that we are part of a family, that even when there's disagreements, even when we see things differently, we don't divide over it. We love one another in it and then we work through it. The next phrase is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see this already not yet reality in these two requests. It begins with the not yet, your kingdom come. This word come refers to a set time in the future when the kingdom will come once and for all. So we pray for Jesus Christ's return with great anticipation. We live each day like it could be our last. We don't hear this as much as we did maybe 20, 30 years ago. I know growing up as a young believer, it seemed like every preacher uh, talked about or at least included in his prayer, Lord, come quickly, Lord, return. Could it be that we've settled for this earth? Could it be that we have gotten so earthly minded we have lost our heavenly vision and our heavenly hope of the kingdom returning. Here's a question to think about. How many of our prayers contain a portion that invites Jesus to return? How many times have we passionately prayed, oh Jesus, not get me out of this by returning, but Lord, for the sake of the kingdom, return. I know we throw that phrase around a lot, you know, Lord, return, especially lately, right, through the COVID and all that's going on in our world. I think I've heard that said more in the last several months than my whole life as a whole, that people kind of, and I'm guilty of it too, kind of flippantly say, you know, it'd be great if you'd come back now, Lord. But do we really mean it? I mean, when I say it, do do I really mean, Lord, would you please come back quickly? Do I believe it enough to pray for it? Jesus is saying, we should always pray. Your kingdom come. And so come quickly, Lord. And then let's look at the last phrase. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the already and the now. So we pray individually, 
and we corporately pray as a church. And it will go something like this. Oh God, align my will with your will for this world. Show me what you are doing, where you are working. Help me take the steps and actions I need to be aligned with you. And then think about that as we pray for our church and as being a part of the body of Christ. Where are you at work, God? What are you doing in the lives of your people? How are you bringing all the gifts together? How are you bringing all the personalities and the life stories and the testimonies of your work in our lives? How are you bringing all of them together so that we are praying for your will to be done? Let your grace and your mercy work in the lives of broken people everywhere. Let your gift of salvation be experienced and received by all who Hear your invitation to come. Let the power of your word set captives free from their addictions and their bondages. Do a work in our church to restore the joy of our salvation. Have you struggled in your journey lately? I know many of us, we have, our lives have been turned upside down, not only from COVID, but from the effects of COVID and the effects of what we brought into the season of COVID. Is there hope there? Yes, there's hope. And so we continue to pray, Lord, fix my eyes on you. Help me to get them off of myself only and let them be gazing upon you and glancing at the circumstances and glancing at myself. Lord, let us not settle for sin in our life. But let us be quick to confess and repent and obey God. And Lord, show us what your kingdom looks like in every area of society and help us. Help us to be change agents. And Lord, use us for your kingdom purposes. Amen and amen. So there it is, the Lord's Prayer. I trust you will be challenged to stop and take in the magnitude of what Jesus left us as a model prayer and begin to use it as a pattern for your prayer. Personal challenge for us. And an invite from me and the elders and the pastors in this church that you would pray for us, that the things that we prayed for in the last part of that prayer of, Lord, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Would you please pray that for us every day in your prayer time? Would you pray that we would be sensitive to the moving of the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would have our eyes open to where you're at work, that we would have faith enough to join you in what you're doing in and around Simi Valley and what you're doing in the lives of our body and the people that come in and out of our lives on a weekly basis. And would you pray that we would always keep the Lord's name holy. That every time that we speak or every time that uh, we sing and worship and Billy and Wyatt and uh, the worship teams that we have when we enter into a time of worship, may we hallow the name of Jesus. 
And may we approach you, Father, as our Abba, as our dearest Father. And I pray that this would be an encouragement to you in your prayer life. I pray that this would transform the very way that you have been praying. And this would bring life to those who need a little energy in their prayer. And that you would take on this pattern over the next several weeks. God bless you. Todd, we'll see you next week. Amen.